to Too Smart for This, a podcast for the smart and superficial girlies who are just trying to figure life out. The theme for the month of September is embracing being smart, getting our career, getting our systems on track, and that's why we have none other than the person I'd like to be when I grow up, Shanae Ingleton-Smith, also known as Toronto Shay on Instagram, and she is the founder of Kensington Gray Agency, which represents some of your favorite influencers like Monet McMichael, Arnell Armand, and Hilo Lux. I love Janelle. So I met Shanae at the Every Stylish Girl social media event back in June. She was so generous and so kind, and I love the journey that she went on from being a woman in the corporate world in finance to getting married and starting this business with her husband after becoming an influencer in her own right. Um, We talk about the business side of influencing. We also talk about the creative side of influencing and why you don't always need both if you want to be a creator. This conversation lit a spark in me to be the best creator that I can be. And we get into the tea. We talk about advice for aspiring influencers and how to price yourself, as well as advice for aspiring business owners and how to get off the ground there. So what I love most about this conversation is how open she was. She never gatekeeps, is so generous, and is still getting that money. And I just love that that goes to show having a good character is necessary for success. And she really embodies that. So thank you to Shanae for coming on. And before we get started, don't forget to follow Shanae on Instagram at Toronto Shay. And if you are a creator who's interested in growing your platform, follow Kensington Gray, her agency. They dropped tons of knowledge. And don't forget, as always, follow Two Collective on Instagram where you can find even more empowering and fun content. We do a weekly giveaway of PR and Amazon gift cards to people who leave reviews. So be sure to follow us so that you can get notified in case you win. So with that, let's get into this week's episode. I am so excited to chat with you. You have an incredible experience and an incredible career. And I like Loved meeting you at the Every Stylish Girl event, so I'm so excited to learn more. I like to start with some rapid fire just so anyone who doesn't know you can get a little info about who you are. So if you know, do you know your big three in astrology? Are you an astrology person? I am an astrology person for sure. My, I don't know what my big three are, but I know that, so I'm a Pisces on the cusp of Aquarius. I'm born on February 19th. And I was born at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I believe my rising sign means I'm, I'm going to get this wrong because I literally, I call my mom all the time. Like, and I'm like, what time was I born to figure out what my like rising uh, sign or like what my moon, I think that's what your moon sign is. I, I can't, I don't know the right terms, but I'm big on astrology and it's like the icebreaker for me. I ask everyone what their sign is. I feel like I was born in a generation where people would like look at you weird when you ask people their signs. But I just love how this generation is like so normal, like to like incorporate astrology into like major life decisions, because that's how I am and how I've always been. But yeah, I'm on the cusp of Pisces and Aquarius. And I, um, a lot of people that I really admire are born within a few days of me, or they are February Pisces. And it's, it's wild, because when I was growing up, or just, you know, when I was becoming a woman, I guess, I found it difficult to see myself in certain spaces or successful in certain areas unless I saw somebody else uh, with my sign. And like, not just with my sign, but like within a few days of my sign, be very successful. So like Rihanna, she's February 20th, Drew Barrymore, she's like February 21st. And I look up to her like, both of them tremendously and steve jobs believe it or not i believe he's like february 22nd or 23rd 
and I harbor a lot of their good and bad qualities. It's the good and the bad. But I love seeing that they've, you know, been able to su- be successful, overcome adversity, but they're also very real and relatable people at the same time. So um, I look to them for inspiration often. I love that. I've always felt like connected to people who have my birthday, like go near my birthday. Like I have Nicki Minaj, which is chaotic. And then like Taylor Swift and Jay-Z. I'm like early December. Try have a triple fire sign, my like, rising my moon are also and are, are leo and and aries so i'm very fiery i'm always like doing something and sometimes people are like you're gonna burn yourself out but like i just can't like i'm just always going somewhere so with that with that being said we'll continue to what is your hometown and where do you live now yeah so okay it's complicated so i was born in toronto and that's where i live but my hometown where i grew up is a, a place called calgary alberta And um, so I moved there. My entire family moved there before I turned one or two. And um, my dad, he was an architect and there was like construction and like a lot of development happening in Western Canada. So that's where we grew up. I make a point to say that because where I grew up in that city that I grew up really defined who I am as a woman today. Wow. Well, that's good to know. I think like wherever you, where you grow up is super crucial to how you turn out, whether or not like people want to admit it. So that's good to, I'm glad you made that point. And obviously your Instagram handle is Toronto Shay. So. so I've lived in Toronto now for 20 years. So I came back here to go to college. I never looked back. So I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then do you prefer Instagram or TikTok? So I prefer TikTok. I'm a newly converted TikTok obsessed like lover of all things on that app. And um, I just love the discoverability and I love that it's an equal opportunity app where anyone can just like wake up one day, share their story or just show up as themselves and like find their tribe. And I love how every time you post on TikTok, new people see it. Like your people that follow you see it, but like just as many new people see it. So it just it it just opens a door to you being discovered by new people every day. Whereas on Instagram, it's not like that. I totally agree. Instagram is like it's fun to see to go back to people, but inst- but TikTok being able to like have new interests that you didn't even know that you would be interested in is one thing I really love about it. So then, do you prefer facials or massages? if you had to choose? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right now I'm really big into skincare. I turned 41 earlier this year. So I think I'll go for the facial because I can get my husband to give me a massage. It's not as good as like the real deal, but you know, you can't do a home facial like like an actual proper like esthetician can do. You cannot. I totally agree. All right. Do you prefer New York City or LA? That's another tough one. I love both cities. I love New York just for the energy and the grit and like just the feeling of like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. But I love LA for like the weather, the vibes, the space, just like the the vibes. Honestly, I, I would have to be both bicoastal. I can't choose both. I would need to be like, I need to, I would need to like be in both and I'm in both regular, regularly. You are, you are, you travel so much. And so that's why I wanted to see if you had a favorite. Okay. Most important self-care practice? Saying no. Ooh, that is a good one. I thought it's not always the bubble baths. You got to say no. Okay. And then last rapid fire is what is the worst business advice that you've ever been given? 
Like make sure you have all of your shit together before you start. That is the worst advice. Honestly, you don't need to have all your shit together. And if I waited till I had my shit together to do many things, um, I probably wouldn't have done them. Do it scared and not, not do it unprepared, but like, it, you don't have to have this perfect setup and like a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and investors and like all of that like that picture perfect setup. You can just like you can create something like think of something in your mind, bring it to life like on like hustle and relationships, just working smart. You don't have to have like all that picture perfect cookie cutter stuff set in place. There's other things, other elements that can help to take you very far. And if your idea is really good and you're really successful, any of the setbacks that are holding you back, money can take care of them in the future when you're successful and or your connections or the freedom that you have once you actually make it. I love that. I think that's something that holds a lot of people back, um, not just of starting businesses, but starting their content creation career or starting a new hobby or anything is feeling like they have to have it all together before they do it. So with that being said, I know that you were a creator before you became a business owner. So I'd just love to hear your trajectory and what made you just start from the point of influencing to the point of your agency. Yeah. So, okay. When I graduated from university, I worked in finance, actually, in my degree and my background is in finance. And I got this job in like this, like, you know, really corporate setting. And I hated it. Like, it was just not for me, like one out of 10, do not recommend going to work every day was like, just, I didn't love it. So this was like in the early 2000s, like right around the time when like you were being born. And I, yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was not for me. And so I started a blog. The blog actually became very successful and I turned it into like events and I started selling ads on it. But I, at the time I didn't have a business plan and I didn't really know how to make it sustainable. And this was even before the, the term influencer was ever coined. So I did it for a while, left my job and like it was my full-time job, but my cash flow situation wasn't good. Like one month I would make like $20,000 and the next three months I'd make zero. And so not knowing like where my next dollar was coming from was very stressful for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn the business side of, the, of things. So I got a job in advertising and media sales and big media. So I worked at one of Canada's biggest media conglomerates and I left that blogging world behind. And that was right at the time, like around the time that things were transitioning from, you know, like traditional blogs to social media, Twitter was a thing and like Instagram had like just started. So in my job in big media, I was responsible for selling like huge integrated sponsorships across like multiple platforms, like television, broadcast, radio, digital. So that's sort of how I learned like and understood the price and the value of media and what brands are willing to pay for like impressions and views and eyeballs. And near the tail end of my career, before I actually left, um, we started to do more in social media and like Instagram and that sort of thing. In Canada, you get a one, like a one year maternity leave. So you get a year off pretty much with pay when you have a baby. So I had gotten married and um, I was pregnant with my first daughter. And so when I was on mat leave, I, was, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm gonna like do what I did before, but I'm gonna do it in this new way, like the way like influencers are doing it. And at the time, Instagram was the thing, like TikTok was still musically, I think. It wasn't like it was before TikTok had blown up. 
And so I decided to become like a mommy blogger, I guess you could call it that. But I was like more into like street style and fashion. My best friend lived in New York. I would go out there and we do like street style shoots and stuff like that. I didn't know much about the creative side, but I knew about the business side. I knew what, what influencers were charging because I worked with influencers and I knew how much they could command because I knew what the value of like an Instagram following and views and impressions were. So we started a group where my friend advised black influencers on like the creative side of things and like how to get into fashion week and that sort of thing. And then I advised people on like how to negotiate deals, like what's usage, what's like perpetuity, what's exclusivity that sort of thing and the group grew really fast and it got pretty big and there to over like 500 members but Forbes found out about the group and featured it in one of their articles and the article kind of went viral and several women in the group asked me to manage them as a result of that article and so at first I was like nah it's not really my thing but then after like the fourth or fifth person asked me I was like you know what I think I can do this so yeah I started an agency with um, some of like the founding members of the group some of them are still actually all the people that I started the agency with are still signed to us so like that's like Hilo Lux, Karen Britchick and a few others and yeah so that was like in 2019 when i started the agency three years later we have just hired our 15th employee um we're like in the process of hiring a few more people we're probably going to be at 20 employees before the end of the year we are well on our way to signing our 50th influencer we represent influencers in every category from like lifestyle and parenting to fashion and beauty to food and beverage um to finance and investing and we work with people that are on youtube TikTok, instagram yeah so we're you know it's it's been a it's been a great ride and you know we we're growing and we're in a you know doing really well and it's really exciting but yeah that's my evolution it's incredible to hear as well because you obviously start somewhere you don't love it so you have a creative outlet and then you enjoyed that so much that you didn't necessarily just like go all in on trying to do it even though you did for a little bit but you gained the knowledge that eventually helped you build a thriving business in a professional setting and i think that's a really important thing. And one thing I heard you say was that you knew the business side, but you weren't so into the creative side. I still feel like you have great content. So I'm curious for you, for someone who might be really analytical or someone who's interested in business or doesn't even like love being the face of things, like what advice would you have there if they want to be a creator or be a part of this world? So I would say, you know, find out what your unique quality is and just lean into that. So for me, my unique quality was like always like helping women, but I didn't know how to monetize that or make that into a job. Like I just, I always used to say like, I want to do something where I'm helping women, particularly like black women, women that looked like me. So for me, the reason why people follow me and I think the reason why people connect with me on social is my experience as an entrepreneur and I'm very candid and open with that like the good the bad the ugly you know just showing up authentically as a working mother the challenges that come with that um, showing up authentically as somebody who is owns a business with her partner so I work with my husband and it's an amazing experience but it's also like a terrifying and 
a tumultuous experience at the same time. And I've been very open and candid about that experience. So just being like showing up authentically with what you know you're good at. And then a, a few other things that I think that people really look to me for and come to me for is that I'm very open and candid and honest about things like pricing, rates, what you should charge. I don't gatekeep that kind of information where prior to me starting, there weren't a lot of people, if anyone at all, that was willing to share that information unless you paid for it. And I just thought that that was so weird. Like, I just feel like in so many other industries, pricing and knowledge and information, it's a lot of it's public, it's made public so that can't be hidden. But in influencer marketing, so much is like done, you know, over email or behind closed doors. So people don't know if they're charging right, or if, you know, they're asking the right questions. So I've always made a point to be that person to other people because, you know, I didn't have somebody who was that for me. I kind of found out kind of along the way, once I got into like the industry on the back end, and I was like, oh my God, if people knew how much money was out there, how much money was to be made out, out there, like there are billions and billions of dollars being spent on advertising. So I just wanted to, and I saw it also as an opportunity for our community to be able to level up and to get into something with very little investment and to be able to make it into a lucrative business endeavor that could be life-changing. I think especially, and I want to touch on this later as well, but for Black creators or Black influencers, we are the influence period general in society. So being able to take it from just being influential as a community to monetizing that in a way that we've never been able to do before, I think that is a really powerful thing and a big change that your agency has, has a hand in making. I do want to talk a little bit more about your business and then we'll let the girls know what they should be charging because that is their number one question. When it comes to when you took this step in 2019, how did you decide to bring your husband in to work on it with you? So my husband actually also works in media and I actually credit him with me even get breaking into big media in the first place. So he, I actually got his old job. He started his career working at Time Magazine, just like selling advertising pages in Time Magazine. And so I worked at the Canadian equivalent to Time Magazine and he had worked there before and his old boss was looking for someone. And he's like, actually my girlfriend, I think she'd actually be good for the job. Mind you, I didn't really have any experience working in advertising or selling advertising outside of selling ads on my blog. But uh, we put a presentation together. I nailed it in the interview and I got the job. And that was the beginning of like a decade long career in big media. We love that. Connection will always help you. So then he, so you all run this agency together, which is exciting. I'm curious, what's the hardest part of doing of entrepreneurship with your partner? I would say like there's no separation. So you know how like when you're like, when you're married to somebody or in your relationship with somebody and you live with them, you know, you go off to do your job, he does his job, you do your job. And then, you know, you come back and you kind of like talk about it. There's no like going off and like doing your own thing and then coming back, like, cause we're constantly in it together all of the time, the good and the bad. And on top of that, we we're parenting. And it was also, you know, a year into starting the agency, the pandemic hit. So we were parenting our daughter and homeschooling her and running the business. And it was like Black Lives Matter. And it was like we couldn't leave our house. Like it was just 
a nightmare at certain points, but it also like in many ways is very comforting because I, I can go to him. Like if I have challenges with something, he knows, like I don't have to explain things to him. I don't feel bad. Like I think oftentimes some influencers are, are challenged with sharing their grievances with their friends that don't have the same, don't that don't work in the industry. Cause it sounds like, oh my God, boo hoo. Like you, a brand asked you to reshoot something like, you know what I mean? Like it's where, or like you, got a had a hard time with like another influencer or somebody left you a mean comment or whatever and it's like oh my god boohoo like you have all these followers and someone left you like a mean comment like it's people it's hard for people to empathize or understand also too or to respect the fact that this is like a real career and a real job and it's actually like challenging and difficult so he understands all of that so that's really great and then he just his background working like he's who he's always like worked in like senior roles at like Time Magazine, Vice, Sports, Ned, and all these different companies, Warner Brothers, doing like digital and social media. So he always has like these really cool and different ideas and different perspectives that have been like, have been super helpful. But at the end of the day, just think about like what it would be like if you had to work with your boyfriend. Like, like we definitely fight with each other. We definitely argue, bicker about stuff. But one thing that I love is that like, you know, we're in this to win it and we're in it like for life, like we're stuck together. So, you know, there's not no challenge we ever have ever been faced with that we didn't feel that we could overcome. And that is comforting because we know that whenever we hit like a friction point, like we're, we know we're going to overcome it and, you know, we're going to work through it, you know, for our benefit. There's never been a, a time where it's like, oh my God, this is like going to be the end or anything like that. I think that's amazing. It just shows resilience, not only like on your individual parts, but on in this face of your business. And I mean, if you can survive this pandemic and thrive, which you obviously have over the last two years, then like you can really do it. So I love to see that. So for you as a creator, how do you manage your time with this business of managing? Do you do you manage creators by yourself or do you hire other people to do that? So yeah, I don't manage creators anymore. When we first started the business, I was managing the creators and then Sean was doing like the execution and like the operation stuff, like the finance invoicing and the contracts and stuff like that. But fortunately, we've been very lucky and we've been able to build a team. So I have six talent managers that report to me and then they have their influencers that they manage. And then I sort of like oversee those relationships and that process. And I'm very, very much involved in like pitching and major executions. Like we were just in Essence Fest for New Orleans for Essence Fest. So things like that I'm very much involved in. And then Sean, he is no longer doing like the execution of the campaigns, but he oversees it. So we have like project management team that like, you know, works on like the execution of campaigns once they're sold. And we have our lawyers who review the contracts and, and the redlining and, and then the invoicing and stuff like that. He still very much like watches the numbers and the finances because our influencers love like he's a bit of like like a vulture when it comes to like clients paying on time. Like he's like, he doesn't let anything slide. So that's good. I wouldn't say that we're at a point where we can step back yet. We're very much hands-on and involved, but the detailed day-to-day stuff that's happening in the company, our team takes care of that. And we have a phenomenal team. And so we sort of are able to look at like the strategic bird's eye, big picture of the company and, and how to like move forward strategically. That's the fun part. That's for sure. I love that. So how do you manage your time now? Do you have any tools like Google Calendar or Notion or just like pen and paper to manage your time? Girl, give me the tools. I need all of the tools. I, you know what? I need an assistant. So I'm the worst example of like 
time management. I just kind of do everything whenever. So like I say no just like to a lot of opportunities that come my way. If it doesn't like align with just my personal ethos as like uh, an entrepreneur or like as a black woman, I typically say no to the opportunities. So right now, like I'm working with Amex and it's like an entrepreneurship based program. And then I... I'm working with like a couple of like alcohol brands like around just like celebrating wins and things like that. But like, I don't really do, like I get a lot of like toy opportunities sometimes because I have a daughter and I've been saying no to those things. I get, you know, I get stuff that's just not relevant to my life anymore or to what I am trying to portray on social. So that makes it easy because I'm not doing a ton of opportunities. And then I also say no if like brands aren't able to meet my rates. So before I used to be flexible when I was like an influencer full time, I would be like, okay, you know, you can't, you can't do like whatever 5k like let's do 3k now it's like if you can't like meet my full budget including everything i'm just not doing it it's just not worth my time so yeah i do very little but what i do do it's like the high valued opportunities and so i'm able to put a lot into it and invest a lot into it and like you know work with a photographer and a videographer and like get a studio or do whatever it needs i need to do to make sure that like i'm delivering top tier content and how do I manage my time? The team supports me. So I have a talent manager that manages me on our team and a campaign manager that also helps me with my execution. I don't write like my captions and my stories anymore. I don't even write the concepts for like the content that I create. I have somebody that does that for me that's on my team. And so yeah, I outsource as much as possible so that like when it comes time to shoot the content, I just show up and I have a script that I'm reading. I have a photographer that's there that's shooting. I have somebody who's going to edit the content. Like I live really just show up and like shoot and then that's it I don't have to deal with anything after that I love that outsourcing has been is just a game changer like it's it's incredible but it sounds like you have a pretty clear understanding of like who you are and what you want to portray online so I know that like people who are interested in lots of things or just like people who are getting started have trouble with that I certainly had trouble with it when I was getting started with content creation I've had like five niches over time you know how did you figure out what that was and have the confidence to just like stay in whatever lane you were creating for yourself I think like once I got over the like, oh my God, like this brand wants to work with me. Of course, like, yes, I want to work with them. Like once I, once the novelty of like, oh my God, like these brands want to work with me and they're like willing to pay me money. And once you have a little bit of money in the bank, then you're not doing it for the money anymore. You're doing it for like, like I think about what my why is and like what, how I want to show up and how I want to add value online. Like if what I'm doing is not going to be adding value, if it's not going to be, if I don't feel good doing it, like if it's too contrived or fake or it's not something that I would do in real life, then I just, I can't do it. Like I just, I just goes against like, it's almost, I become allergic to it. Like I got an offer recently for like a really um, major automotive brand and they were willing to pay me like a lot, a ton of money to do a collaboration, but I don't drive that car. Like I have a car that I love and I drive it every day. And if I were to do this big automotive deal, like it would be so fake. And I was just like, this is, I can't do it. So I turned it down because I'm not a fan of that vehicle brand or that I just don't drive that brand. So I just, it has to be genuine and true to me. And I need to be able to create content that like is seamlessly integrated in my life and it doesn't feel weird or forced in any way. So that's, it's just like following your gut. Yeah. And I think is 
audiences can always tell when it's fake or they can always tell when it's not real. Um, so I think that's, and I guess with your roster of creators, and I imagine like you give them that advice as well of like making sure things feel authentic. So when it comes to helping your creators strategically grow, what advice do you have for people who are starting out who might not be managed, but are consistently creating content and want to take it to the next level? Yeah. So obviously showing up authentically and being yourself. I always tell people to look at their content and to sort their content by the best performing content to the least performing content in every category. So like what got the most likes, what got the most comments, what got the most saves, what got the most shares, what went viral for the longest. That will tell you what people like and you should just do more of that. And sprinkle in a little bit of experimentation too. So your followers and your audience will tell you what they want. And when you look at your content through that lens, you'll know what to do. So for me, like people love seeing my family. People love when I like share, you know, trade secrets and insider information that's not readily available. People also love when I talk about like, you know, my business and like, and how I got, like how I made it or how I did it. They love that sort of stuff. And then, you know, there are other stuff that I post that people aren't really that into you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't post it, but just pay attention to what people really gravitate towards and what, what, what does really performs really well for you and make sure you're always doing more than more of that. And then balance that with some new stuff that you're sort of like testing as well, but make sure that whatever you're doing is bringing and adding value to your audience. Um, and that's always a great way to, to ensure growth and, and grow strategically. For sure. I think what I've seen or what we advise people at YouTube is like 80% of that like high performing content that you know is going to perform like the hero hub help model. And then 20% is that experimentation, like seeing what's new. And that experimentation can also just be fun for you and keep you creative and, and like fulfilled. But at the same time, it can help you evolve when things are changing. So Speaking of that, a lot of our consumption when it comes to content has moved to short form video. We all know this very well, obviously, but short form video does feel like it's the current, it's the now, it's what everyone's doing. And so is that something that you all strategize with your creators about or, and do you feel like Instagram, TikTok, I know we talked about this at the summit, but Instagram versus that short form video versus doing something long form on YouTube, like where do you recommend people start or how do you recommend they think about these different platforms and how to use each of them? Yeah, so we made it mandatory for everyone on our roster to be on TikTok. And um, we also made it mandatory for people to start leaning into and regularly creating video content. Instagram is no longer like a photo app anymore. It is a video first app. So yeah, that's, um, we just encourage people to continue to create content that is video first and to be on TikTok at first, spend time on the app and figure out like how you want to show up on the app and then just start, just start doing it and just start putting the content out and be consistent with it. And from that, you'll see growth where you'll be able to identify what people really like and what, what, what people want to see more of. Question for you on TikTok. I know you've made it mandatory for everyone. A lot of people say that TikTok is making the influencer industry too saturated. And so there's too many people doing it. And so why would you start blah, 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 blah. I don't personally subscribe to that, but I'd love to know your take on, is this too saturated and how can you actually stand out long-term if you want to start? 
So the answer to it being saturated is no, it's not saturated. There's a huge shift in dollars and funding going from traditional, like people don't really watch TV anymore. People are streaming content. Their, their attention is moving to things like TikTok and that's where advertising dollars are going. People don't even really watch live sports the way they used to. And the reason why I'm mentioning those platforms and properties is because like those are multi-billion dollar advertising industries. Like the amount of money that's thrown at like live sports, um, the amount of money that used to be uh, like thrown at cable television ads. Like there are billions and billions of dollars at a transition now because you know, viewership isn't where it used to be. So they have all this additional money that they need to put, you know, towards a new platform. So there's lots of money out there for it to be a sustainable and profitable career. Is it becoming more saturated? Yes, it is becoming more saturated, but there's definitely room for lots of people to do very well and to continue to do well. Again, being real and authentic, which sounds like such a buzzword, but like really just being real, honest and authentic, but find the one thing that you're really good at and do that thing and show up as that person. And don't be afraid. I always tell people to not be afraid to be vulnerable every once in a while too, because that people can connect with that. But if you're not comfortable with that, just make sure like whatever you're doing, you're providing and you're adding value. Shit, like if you're sharing stuff that is making somebody's day better, that is giving them tips that's, that they can immediately implement into their life and that will make it better. Like people are just going to want more and desire more and seek out more content like that from you. And then because it's on video, they feel like they're actually there with you and they're connecting and they're like speaking to you. It creates like a community. So yeah, so just try to be authentic. If there is a niche that speaks to you or that you're really, you know, great at or an expert expert at definitely lean into that that's a great way to stand out and um but also just be yourself i think that that advice of being yourself people sort of look over it sometimes but for me it's been one of the hardest things to like truly embrace in my journey as a creator because being yourself because i think a lot of black women are taught to be perfect or to be exceptional in a way and not to be themselves. So to do that authentically online can feel really scary. So I want to reiterate that that's not just like blanket advice, but in fact, it's like, it takes a journey to get there. And so we all are all of your roster black people. Yes. So we represent black creators. Yeah. And you specialize in that. So I'm curious for you then, like we talked about a little bit earlier, black people have been influential forever. But in this new industry, new to us industry, they're able to sort of take off in a way. But there has been a lot of controversy of Black content creators not getting paid as much as other content creators or having a harder time growing. And it's something I think a lot of us are scared about. It's like, why would I even start? Or why would I even be a part of this industry if it's going to be hard for me to grow? What do you say to that and how can influencers continue to like build their platforms even if they feel like they're at a loss because they're black? So that's a challenge in that and this literally breaks my heart because there's so many you don't know what you don't know and the, this is the thing from my perspective and like the the bubble of excellence I guess you if you will that I exist in black creators the ones that I represent actually get paid more 
than their white counterparts because we know that we are a commodity that's in high demand. Um, we know that we are over-indexing in every category from conversion to, you know, engagement to, you know, growth in many, in many cases. So we have a lot of creators on our roster that, you know, maybe have 200 or 300,000 followers, but they're making about the same as like creators that aren't Black that have like 10 times their following. But that's because they have a team behind them that's advocating behind them, knows the value of the content that they create and knows that right now they're, they're in demand and we price things out accordingly. So what do I have to say to that is, is just, you know, try to speak to people and seek out and find people that are going to help to educate you on like what you can and should be charging and um, stick to your guns. Like when, you know, and confidently ask for what you think you're worth. Because, you know, brands will pick up on, you know, whether you're hesitant or whether you don't really know what you're talking about. Ask somebody, you know, that you can trust or uh, try to find somebody that, you know, has knowledge in the industry. But if you don't have access to all of that, what I usually say is a general rule. So for TikTok, between four to six percent of your following, that's what you can be charging per video. So if you have 100,000 followers on TikTok, you can charge between 4000 to $6,000 um, for a video. That doesn't include usage or exclusivity. So you should be charging for usage and exclusivity. Usage, I would say anywhere between $1,000 to $4,000 a month for usage, depending on where it's used and how often it's gonna be used. Exclusivity can be anywhere from half of your posting rate to like two or three times your posting rate, depending on the category, what the category is. So if you're a beauty influencer and you charge $10,000 for a TikTok, depending on what category the exclusivity is, you can be charging anywhere from $5,000 for one month of exclusivity to $20,000 for a month of exclusivity. It, it really, that ties to the amount of money you'll be losing by agreeing to those exclusivity parameters. So if you're a beauty influencer and they're trying to like say that you can't work with like Sephora or Ulta or Target for a month, like that could potentially, you know, result in like thirty or forty thousand dollars that you won't be making that month. So you should, you know, charge them for that. Uh, there are other things that, you know, what actually usage exclusivity are the main things, and then just what knowing what to charge just for a video. If you know those three things, you're you're gonna be golden, and never agree to um, license your content out um, in perpetuity. Perpetuity is a, like a bad word, and I think that that's it. That's all that I think of right now. Yeah, the one thing I would add is um, reshoots, making sure you like negotiate the amount of time because that's always in the contract because if they don't like it, they can make you reshoot it six times and like that's never a moment. I've had to do that before for the brand. Limit, yeah, so limit. So make sure you're reviewing your contracts. Limit um, the, the rounds of revisions to like one and um, or none um, without payment. So with our influencers, we actually have a reshoot fee and uh, the, the fee varies depending on what the influencer's rate is, but it's usually about half of the influencer's posting rate that the, the client will have to pay if they require for the influencer to reshoot the content and they haven't like done anything like not followed the brand brief or whatever. So if they've followed all the, you know, things that they're supposed to do and the brand still wants to reshoot, then they have to pay additional on top of that and we write that into all of our contracts and one thing i remember from the every stylish girl panel that you were on was that you talked about how 
our girl, Hilo Lux, is a millionaire from being a content creator. And um, I think when people don't hear those numbers, they can't really visualize what's possible in this industry. And like, I know for me, I saw a creator who had like 700K on TikTok tell, tell us that she had made like 500K that quarter. And I was like, uh, across and across all platforms. And I didn't realize how much that was until those numbers were being shared. And so for you on that side of like this being a major long-term industry, what advice do you have for people who want to stay in it long-term and get to that bag long-term and how to like make the most of that building longevity here? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of longevity to be had in the industry. I would say, you know, think of yourself also as a brand, start thinking very early about, you know, how you want to convert your community to customers for yourself. In addition to work with brands, I always use like the Kardashians as an example. When they first started out, they, they were working with brands and doing partnerships and they were in all like the Super Bowl ads and doing stuff, working in partnership with brands. But the game changed once they started coming out with their own brands and their own products where all of the money, all of the dollars came to them. And then all, all of a sudden they started all becoming billionaires. So there's tons of money to be made for sure. You know, Janae is a great success story, but like no, not taking anything away from her success. She's one of many influencers on our roster that make over a million dollars. And she's nowhere near a million followers on any of the platforms. You know, she just hit 300,000 followers on uh, Instagram. She's at about 150 subscribers on YouTube and on um, TikTok, she's got 150,000 followers. So like you can make, you know, major bucks, like seven figures. Like we've had, we have influencers on our roster that are already making, have already made over um, a million dollars so far this year. You know, TikTokers, you know, you can make like millions. You can buy homes, you can start businesses, you can change your life, you can pay off your debt. Start thinking about it as a business early, invest in yourself, invest in like things like editors and photographers and videographers, um, assistants to help you like capture content. The things that are gonna make it easier for you to pump out content on TikTok in particular, where the velocity in which you can grow and amass a following is unprecedented. Take advantage of that, pump out content. So like if you can do two to three, you know, pieces of quality content a day, do that because, you know, that will result in more followers and the more followers you have, the more you can charge. And right now, 300,000 followers on TikTok is the same as like 300,000 followers on Instagram in terms of the, your earning potential and the dollar amount that you can charge. So, but, but the difference between TikTok and Instagram is that you can get to 300,000 followers in a couple of months if you are really dedicated and um, and really lean in. And this is the thing too. Another thing I wanted to just you know add as a disclaimer, these rates and these, ex these success stories are, don't apply to everyone. Everyone is not necessarily gonna become a millionaire. Again, we exist in a bit of a bubble of excellence where you know the influencers that we represent are superstars that I like to call them superstars. You know, they have extremely high engagement. They're very unique. They're unicorns in their own right. And that's the reason why we work with them because we're able to charge a lot for them. We're able to command high dollar amounts. They're highly sought after by brands because they're so good at what they do. So you have to keep that in mind. It doesn't, you know, all influencers are not created equal and not everyone can charge the exact same thing. However, if you pay attention to your content and you show up in a way that's really compelling and that's also brand friendly, the, the possibilities are limitless in what you can do and how much money you can make in this industry. I see it 
every single day. We don't have anyone on our roster that makes less than six figures in a year. And um, many of them were well into the six figures and several of them are making seven figures a year. You know, at the rate that we're going, we're going to start having influencers that are making eight figures in a year. Oh, that is just warms my heart. It makes me so happy and excited to know that Black people are thriving. And like, I think that that, that notice, like, not all influencers are created equal is super important because a lot of people who are maybe like just not just, but who are comedy influencers or who are, you know, doing one super specific thing don't make as much because they're not as diversified. But being that unicorn, making sure that you can appeal to brands while also creating quality content, I think is the best takeaway here. So I'm so happy to hear that. Okay, we'll wrap. I want to wrap up with you, but final few questions are one, do you have books, podcasts, or resources that you recommend for people who are attempt, who are interested in entrepreneurship or content creation? I do. So this one's a little bit old and outdated. It's called Insta Style by Tezza. Tezza Barton is her name. It's more focused on Instagram, but a lot of the elements in that book that she put together are still very relevant. But JT Barnett on TikTok, I follow him and he provides a lot of really great resources for TikTokers. Influencer by Brittany Hennessy is a great book. She used to work at Hearst. So she used to cast influencers for major campaigns and pay them like, you know, all kinds of money. But she puts together resources on how you should charge, what you should charge, and, you know, how to show up, you know, and make uh, your business as an influencer a business. And honestly, on the Kensington Gray Instagram page, we share a lot of knowledge and resources and tips and, um, you know, information free of charge, just for people that are willing to, that that want to learn and to get to the top of their game. Amazing. Well, I'm glad that you all are doing that. I really appreciate the transparency that you have and that you, I mean, that's obviously how you've built your business, but the fact that you can be transparent and not gatekeep things, but also make money from your knowledge is really inspiring. So I love seeing it. So we like to finish these episodes with the final question that I ask everyone, which is finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know. You're too smart for that dude. <laughs> um, honestly, you are. Um, you and you know that dude might. People know who that dude applies to. Don't waste your time on a dude that is just not not for you and not serving you well. There's a lot of you know women, I, unfortunately, that you know, and men too, that just waste a lot of their time and potential on relationships that are not serving them well. And yeah, you're, you're too smart for that dude. Drop him, dump him. It's hard to watch super successful women waste time on bums, but you know, whatever. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can everyone find you and your business on Instagram? Plug yourself for us. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Toronto Shay. I'm also Toronto Shay on TikTok, but I'm an itty bitty, bitty TikTok account. I'm Kensington Gray on Instagram. Gray is spelled with the Canadian spelling, G-R-E-Y. And uh, yeah, that's how you can find me. And my DMs are open. I try to respond to as many people as possible, but we also share quite a bit of information and knowledge on our Instagram page as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.